want to invite you to open up your Bibles and turn with me close to the end of your Bibles to the book of 1 Peter. 1 Peter will be in chapter 2 this morning. Chapter 2. We've already talked about it a little bit uh, that we are going to be talking about uh, a very challenging but also a very important topic this morning. Uh, it's a topic that represented a real challenge uh, to those who are in the first century audience that Peter was writing to because of the circumstances in which they found themselves. Uh, and I think it can be a real challenge to us today as well because of the circumstances in which we find ourselves. You know, our family got into a discussion uh, earlier this week about how the Lord tends to place us in circumstances in our lives that uh, can represent for us or present for us a real test, uh, a, a test as to where our loyalties lie. Uh, so that we're, we're forced to ask that question, uh, is Christ the foundation upon which I stand or is there something else, something in this world that uh, is, is a foundation upon which I am building? We, we need to be made aware of those areas uh, that we may find ourselves building upon which are not Christ. Uh, is there some way in which we're beginning to live for the world rather than living for Christ and for the time that is for the world to come? Uh, this, this passage today, I think, represents one of those tests for us uh, as it has to do with how we view and, and, and live and speak about and obey the civil authorities that are placed over us. I will say, especially this topic, uh, and this one in 1 Peter chapter 2, there's a parallel passage you may know in uh, Romans chapter 13, very important uh, passage, but this passage, I believe, is very po unpopular in much of the church today, or with many in the church today, but very much needed. Now, uh, the context here is very important, so as we uh, turn to our passage, which is going to begin in verse 13, uh, I'd like to speak for a moment about the two verses before it. It's been a few weeks uh, since we were there, uh, so verses 11 and 12. Uh, so I just want to point out a couple of things. I'm going to read those again as part of this passage, even though we're, we're going to focus beginning at verse 13. But notice back in verse 11 that Peter addresses the church as sojourners and exiles. Uh, and this, as we talked about then, is key to understanding this teaching about how we are to live today in the world. Uh, sojourners and exiles, not not so much for them, for even them, uh, those that Peter was speaking to, we believe in a physical sense, but in a spiritual sense, and where they, they found themselves uh, uh, because of who they are as believers. Uh, as, as Christians, in the kingdom of God today, uh, we are, are instructed that we are to live in the world, and we saw that in Jeremiah chapter 29, live in the world, 
but not be of the world. And so the question that we're, we're going to address this morning is, what does that look like? What does that mean when it comes to living under the civil authority that we are placed under? Uh, and then one more thing, you'll notice that in verse 12, it points out that we are to have good behavior, honorable behavior in uh, this Gentile society. It uses that word. It's talking about unbelieving society in which we live. We belong to Christ, and therefore we are a living testimony in the world in which we live, and that has to have meaning and, and bearing in the way that we live our Selves, and certainly when it comes to living under the structures of authority, there's a particular way that we are to live. So with that, uh, I invite you to look with me beginning at verse 11. I'll go through verse 17. This is God's Word. Peter says, Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul, Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme, or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the emperor. Please join me in prayer. Father, we uh, look to you this morning for help. Uh, Lord, we know that, especially in certain areas, that we are, are prone to very easily uh, um, be pulled in a direction that uh, allows us to practice, to view things in the way that our own hearts might desire, and yet we know there are certain, there are particular areas uh, in which um, you have provided for us to do that which may go against our flesh, and we recognize that this is uh, one of those potential areas, and so I, I pray that as we go through this passage this morning, that you will help us to have eyes that can see and understand and, uh, and, and take in this truth, a heart that's ready to receive it as well. Help us to remain in your truth and to, to set that before ourselves by the work of your Holy Spirit inside us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Our family uh, knows and supports a family that moved to Germany about three years ago uh, to serve as missionaries in Germany. Uh, and they, they came back the summer for a short time and visited a number of folks, and we had them at our house for about a day and a half. Uh, and 
um, it was fascinating talking to them about what they faced in their move to Germany, some of the changes that were there. Um, and one of those changes had to do with uh, the laws there and the, 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 those that they were under, the whole political environment there as well. Um, but one area in particular, they uh, here in the U.S. had homeschooled their uh, children before. They have three. They were younger, but uh, growing. And uh, so they had homeschooled them, but when they got there, homeschooling is, is not legal uh, in Germany. And so they uh, went through the process of helping their, their children to learn German well. didn't take a lot with their, their kids. When they were here, they were fluent. Uh, it, it seemed to us at least. Uh, but now they are mainstreamed in the schools over there, uh, along with all the German kids in the town in which they live. Uh, but that wasn't the only thing that they had to uh, deal with, just the political environment. There were a number of things related to some of the laws and, uh, that are a real struggle, a real challenge uh, for them. Yet, they knew that going in. They knew that they were going to be missionaries and they were, they were going into this land and, and they need to follow the, the law of the land. They, they're outsiders there and they, they know their purpose for being there. Uh, it, 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 makes, it changes the way that they uh, conduct themselves there and they also know that they're being watched. It's just human nature to watch more closely those who come from the outside. Uh, now, my observation was that I, I think they're living now as what you might call model German citizens in a sense there in the land, even though they're not citizens. Now, if they are, I, I, we know them and we know that uh, if they are uh, called upon to uh, disobey God's law in some way, they won't do that. Uh, they'll remain back from that. But otherwise, they seem sort of like model citizens. Now, I was thinking about that earlier this week, and I realized that missionaries like this family, the Hodges, uh, like this family, um, give us a helpful mindset uh, when it comes to how we as Christians are to relate to the political authority that's placed over us and how we live uh, in, in the places in which we live. Uh, they're living there as those who come from the outside. Uh, but they're, they're, they're there. They're living there. They're conducting life with all the people that are there. They're involved in things, but they're not indigenous to the country or the community in which they're living. So, of course, their minds are not, first and foremost, set upon the, the rights and the responsibilities of those who live there. Uh, in the country because they know that they're there ultimately to bring a message, to bring message of the gospel to those who are citizens, who are indigenous there. Uh, that's their task. They're to be witnesses. Imagine what kind of witnesses they would serve as if they went into a country like that, went into Germany, and then stood against the laws of the country. They, they stood up for their, what they believed to be their rights. Uh, they said, we're going to homeschool no matter what, or, or whatever it might be. Imagine what kind of a witness they would be, especially since they know that 
they're already being looked at more closely because they're uh, from the outside. I think we can safely say they would not be good witnesses. But if, on the other hand, people saw them doing good, uh, honoring those in authority to the extent possible, uh, think about the opportunity they would have then as witnesses. Um, in this passage, you may have noticed as I was talking through that, that there are a lot of similarities with how Christians are to live wherever they live. You know, Jesus made this statement twice in John 18, 36. He said, my kingdom is not of this world. My kingdom is not of this world. And in that statement, he was laying down the foundation for what Peter is saying here that when we trust in Christ as our Lord and Savior, uh, we find ourselves in heart and mind in a place in which we're aligned with, with Him, with Christ as our King. And so we're saying the same thing as He is more and more. Uh, my kingdom is not of this world. Uh, if you were able to, to look at our passports and they actually showed spiritually where we are, you, you wouldn't see uh, you know, the, the United States of America on it and, a, and an eagle or, or wherever else that we're from. Uh, you'd, say, you'd see uh, resident of, even here, resident of the kingdom of God. Um, we're, in that sense, outsiders. And so, naturally, just like missionaries, our, our hearts should not be, first and foremost, upon the rights and the responsibilities of those who live here. Um, because ultimately, we know this is not our home. Uh, and, and so that's what Peter is talking about, that uh, when it comes to as we saw here, the authority that is placed over us by the Lord, uh, that there is to be not a, a striking out against that authority, but an honor and a deference and an obedience that's shown because of who we belong to. And that's what uh, Peter means in this passage. Uh, be subject for the Lord's sake, every human institute, for the Lord's sake, uh, he is the one that we are centered upon. Does that make sense to you? Uh, this is not easy. Uh, it wasn't easy in the first century uh, to those that Peter was writing to, and it's not easy today. You know, if you think where our hearts really are going to be, if we're united to Christ, we're going to long for truth. We're going to long for righteousness. We're going to long for true justice. Therefore, when we're under those who don't exemplify that, uh, and maybe that's an understatement at times, uh, they don't exemplify that at all. It can make it difficult to therefore submit to them. But you know what? We know just like the missionaries, from the outset. We know that we live in a world that belongs to the evil one. 
and we know that we come as those who are on mission. We come with the message of salvation. We know that our hearts aren't given over to the rulers of this world. In fact, to any people in this world. No, we are those who are servants of the Lamb. Of the Lamb who has placed Himself upon the altar for us. He's the one that we follow. It's for His sake that we live our lives here. And wouldn't we expect that to, to carry with it significant changes in the way that we view our responsibilities, our rights, and, and, and all the other things that, are, uh, that come along with that. He's the one that we uh, follow. Um, this is an area in which I, I, I think you probably know there can be strong temptation uh, to think that it's right to rail against the authority that's, a, that's above us if that authority is unjust. Uh, if in its policies we know in some of them to be uh, wrong if they're enacting unjust laws, uh, if they're not from a particular political party. Yet pay attention to the question that this passage answers for us. It's really this. How are we to relate in these areas, this area, to the kingdoms of this world? And I'm going to put the answer in these words as we look at it. Uh, we are to be good. We'll talk about that word good. We are to be good, law-abiding citizens of the governing authorities which the Lord has put into place. And I'd also add, even though in this sense we may not be citizens, uh, but we are to live in that fashion. Now, this is a general principle. Uh, that we find here. I'm just going to say this up front. It's a general principle. There, there are some situations that many believe, and I believe, uh, that we can see over the history of the church in which governments are not functioning truly as governments. It's extreme. Uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer had to make a decision at some point. He was a pacifist before that, but he had to make a decision uh, to, along with a number of others, to rebel against a government that, that had stricken itself from uh, being a, what he believed to be a true government. He had to make that decision. Now, so I, I'll just say up front, there, there are certain circumstances like that, but we're not talking about those. We're talking about this general principle, which is ours today. It's very quick. We can very easily go to that exception, uh, but we need to pay attention to what First uh, Peter chapter 2 to what uh, uh, Romans chapter 13 tells us about this general principle. And Peter, Peter communicates this, this to us uh, by telling us a couple of ways in which we are to live. There are a couple of primary commands, really, that he gives. Uh, and, and first of those, I'll state them in these ways. We are to live as those who submit. And secondly, we are to live as those who are free. You may think in your mind those, those conflict with each other. Well, in truth, they don't, but we need to see them in the right way. So we are to live as those who submit. This is a general principle that's given here that we're, we're called to honor and to obey those who have been appointed over us. There's no suggestion here 
that we are ever to disobey the Lord in doing so. But outside of that, uh, we are to uh, submit. Look with me at verse 13. Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. Notice there that Peter really gives the, the, the main, the central task of governing authorities uh, to praise, to lift up, to uphold those who are doing good, to uh, put down, to hold back evil, those who are uh, engaged in that, is, that, that which is not good, that which is uh, evil. Also notice that Peter kind of leaves open here, uh, this is kind of a side note, but Peter leaves open the, the type of governing authority that he's talking about. Uh, God's Word doesn't specify. We might want it to, but God's Word doesn't specify one particular government authority type of government as being the right, the, the, the holy uh, the pure type of government. And so in this world, we have dictatorships. We have oligarchies uh, ruled by a few. We have democratic governments, uh, others. So it doesn't matter what it is. Peter says here, be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution. He, he leaves it open there. Every human institution. But then he clarifies that he is talking about civil authorities, whether it is, and he goes from uh, the one kind of extreme, the supreme ruler, the uh, emperor, the king, the prime minister, the president of the United States, uh, on to any of those representatives that are sent out, governors, uh, um, uh, senators, you can go on down from there. Um, that that's who he's talking about that we are subject to. And the command that he gives is those words, uh, be subject to. Uh, the parallel passage in Romans 13 says, let every person be subject to the governing authorities. Um, you know, if the Christians in Peter's day had refused to obey Roman, Roman law, they would have given to their opponents and those who are watching them fuel uh, to say you're lawless. Um, but Peter told them, no, you, you've got to do the opposite. Don't rebel against the authority that God has placed over you. Don't oppose the government. Submit to it. Obey it. Then, not only will your opponents not accuse you of lawlessness, but instead, they will see you living as, and you look down at verse 16, living as servants of God, uh, as doing that which is undeniably, ultimately good. And so there's a way of living here. Now, I understand this brings up a whole host of questions. And the most obvious question may be this. How could this be the case when it comes to our president, or our governor, or our uh, fill-in-the-blank the there. What about when they pass same-sex marriage laws? 
What about when they are for the killing of babies, humans in their most vulnerable state? What about when they hold to and pass uh, immigration policies and law that I know are not only harmful to our country that are, that are wrong? Now, one way of answering that question is by way of interpretation. Let me describe the way that uh, some uh, in, interpret this passage in Romans 13. That they say that Paul in Romans 13, Peter here, are only really speaking about just governments. Uh, they're only really speaking, so ultimately that would be Christian governments. That is, if our government is ungodly and if it is uh, unjust, then we can know these passages don't apply and we should go ahead and and resist or feel free to resist and stand against the government. Um, I'll just say uh, outright that's that's a wrong interpretation. It must be a wrong interpretation of this, this passage. I won't say what John Calvin says for Romans 13. He says foolish or something to that effect, but, um, but a wrong interpretation. Peter was writing to Christians here who were under the Roman government. Um, and the Roman government was known in that day to be unjust in many senses. In fact, it's likely that he was writing to those who were under the emperor Nero. And if you know about Nero, you know that Nero, especially in his later years, was, was harsh, that he hated Christians, uh, that he um, uh, killed, there were many who were martyred under uh, Nero, but also he was downright despicable in the way that he did it. He was evil in his behavior. Through and through, he was an unjust, at least in his later reign, he was an unjust ruler. Yet it's to Christians who are under that Roman government that Peter is, is writing here, submit yourselves to the governing authorities that are over you. But also in the, in the context of this passage, it is about those who are suffering Injustice. Look with me at verse. Look ahead to verse 19. He's going to be talking about uh, masters and, and servants here, but it's part of this whole context. Verse 19. For this is a gracious thing, when mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. That's the context for this whole passage, and he's going to go on to describe the Lord Jesus as the foremost example that we need to follow in how to live in this world and to endure injustice, to suffer through injustice in a right way. Jesus went before us and showed us that way. Uh, both this passage and the one in Romans are rooted in reality. We know that most often we are going to be under uh, Whatever government it is, whatever ruler it might be, uh, we're going to be under one who is unjust, at minimum, who is a sinner. But most cases, is certainly not a, a, a Christian. Uh, and um, there will be, therefore, injustices there. Uh, there may be suffering. Uh, and I do believe the day will come. Maybe it's not too far away when in this country there will be suffering as Christians. Uh, because of the differences 
because we are a part of the kingdom of God, as we see in many other countries. But uh, the key here, we can't escape this instruction by applying the wrong instruction. And so why would we be called to this? The question remains. Yeah, I, I want to encourage us to make sure we're coming at this from the right viewpoint because I think this is where we're apt to miss this. Go back and think about what I described with the missionaries. Coming into a country which is not ultimately their home. And they're coming into that country in order that they might be witnesses to Christ who is their king. I just say, oh, that we might have that kind of a that kind of a heart uh, for the Lord, that kind of a, a dedication to Him, a following of Him that it would affect every area of our lives and, and the way that we think about what, what we're living in and what we're living under. You know, I heard a, a pastor uh, a couple of nights ago, a sermon I was listening to, and uh, he said, if there's one passage, one verse, just a few words that at the end of my life I would want people to repeat about me or, or maybe to put on my tombstone. Uh, it would be these words out of Revelation 14, uh, verse 4, where it's talking about the redeemed, the 144,000, uh, and it says of them, it is these who follow the Lamb wherever He goes. He said, if there's one thing about me that I'd like to be a characteristic that's known, uh, it is these who follow the Lamb wherever He goes. And if that might be us, that might be the testimony that we leave in this world, that we're so dedicated to following Christ and to His purposes that it changes uh, the way that we approach everything else uh, in our lives. This is ultimately a matter of loyalty. It's not that the things here in this country aren't to be important to us. It's just that they are important now for a completely different reason. Uh, we've been yoked to another. And that must bring about a change in, in attitude, in mindset, a change of thinking of what is important to us a change toward the governing authorities over us. Doesn't mean that we don't vote. Doesn't mean that we're not concerned about the issues. Uh, very concerned. It doesn't even mean that we don't serve in the places that God calls us to, and that might be to office uh, in some way. Yet it does mean that we have a different perspective. Uh, you know, our temptation is to say it's not, certainly not the will of God that I would submit to this unjust, ungodly president. You can fill in whatever blank. But look with me in our passage at verse 15. For this is the will of God, that by doing good, and part of that doing good is what he's just talked about, uh, it is submitting to this government that by doing good you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Uh, this is saying 
that we should have this behavior, good behavior, live as good citizens because people are watching. Now, I know that this flies in the face of the sentiment of much of the evangelical church in America today. Uh, you can look back a couple of years ago, uh, people marching on Washington, D.C., under the banner of Christ, standing against. Uh, and to many, this sounds like a surrender. It sounds like a giving in to the culture and to the world. It's anything but that. Who would say that of the Lord Jesus? Remember what Jesus did. Jesus submitted himself. He subjected himself to human authorities, to unjust human authorities. Uh, he stood up against... Uh, I'm sorry, he didn't stand up against that authority when he could. In fact, think about when Jesus was in the garden. There was a person there who, who did, who tried to turn everything around uh, and therefore to stand up against the authority. Remember who that was? Peter. That's right. Peter uh, with his sword, uh, waving his sword around and cut off a uh, servant's ear. Remember what Jesus said to, uh, to Peter? He said, put your sword in its sheath. Shall I not drink the cup that the Father has given me? Shall I not submit? What was he doing? He was entrusting himself to the Father. All the while suffering injustice, yet never demanding his rights. And so the question there is, should we not, as those who are yoked to him, do the same? Are we not called to do the same? And the answer is yes. We are to live as those who submit. Uh, we are also to live as those who are free. Uh, the, the whole reason that we, that we have the ability to submit, to do good in the face of injustice, is because we are those who are free. Look at what uh, Peter says in verse 16. He says, Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. And Peter is using Christian freedom. It's what we hear about very much in, in the New Testament uh, to describe how we are able to live in this way, how we are able to, to submit, to do good uh, in a world in which... Uh, there is evil all around uh, how we are able to endure injustice. And he makes it clear that submission doesn't mean a denial of Christian freedom. In fact, it's just an expression of it. Uh, this takes us back to the, the question of who we are and who we are bound to. Uh, and keep in mind that the, the definition of freedom that we're constantly fed by the world I call it libertarian freedom, that uh, none of us are, that we can live without any of us having a master over us, uh, so that we are truly free, that that is a, we understand by God's Word and by experience, therefore, that that is a false concept, that we all have a master. Uh, for those who are in Christ, we've experienced a change. Uh, in master. Previously, we were mastered by sin. We never had the freedom to do good. 
Yet Christ has set us free from that. He redeemed us. He paid the price for us that we might be made free and therefore be bound to a new master. Uh, we are those, in fact, in a sense, who have chosen him freely. Uh, it's by faith that we, it's by grace we are saved through faith. Uh, but also we are those who can know that he has chosen us uh, before, before. Uh, you can think of it this way. Think about somebody who is in an abusive situation. They, they've been forced to serve and obey uh, a, a person who may have a pretense on the outside of, of loving them, and they may seem on the outside like they're really caring for them and taking care of them, but ultimately, if it's truly seen, they have no true love for them at all. They keep them in bondage. Uh, they're in a place in which they have no escape that person can't just choose to walk away. Uh, that is the very absence of freedom. And that, that is what sin does. It is a master over us. Think about that same person having been abused, but now they're delivered out of that bondage by one who truly loves them and who demonstrates that love by sacrifice to them. Uh, it's one whom they have come to love freely, and yet, as I mentioned, they, they find that He chose them before the foundation of the world. And while, you might say, they'd be able to walk away, free to walk away at any moment, but their hearts are captured. They belong to Him, and so that could never happen because their deepest need has now been met, and they know that they belong, they know that they've been loved with an everlasting love, a steadfast love, a covenant love. And that's what we see demonstrated in the passage that we read earlier as our assurance of pardon, Romans 6, 23. If you've got your bulletin open, you can look at it now. Uh, but now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, Notice, set free from sin. That was one master. That's in the past. But now you have become slaves of God. The fruit that you get leads to sanctification and it's in eternal life. For the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Christian freedom, therefore, is about a change in masters. Uh, so no longer do we have to live in the old way uh, ruled over by sin, but now we have been set free to live in a way that honors God because we're yoked uh, to the one who has delivered us. And that's what Peter is talking about here. The freedom to, to live in this world in a way that we never could have lived before, but now we're free to live in that way even under those who are Injust those who uh, bring about evil. Uh, we are able to live in that way before the eyes of an unbelieving world that we are not bound to. That's what Peter is saying is now true of us. Yet he also calls out again the danger here. Uh, do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. It's easy, isn't it, for us to, to say that we are free now and we follow Christ, 
Uh, and therefore, when we're under an authority that we don't want to be under, we, we bring that banner forward uh, and we walk in obedience, we say, to Christ uh, and rebel against the authority that's there. Yet Christ has said, no, you have a different loyalty. You are not citizens of this country in the same way. Your heart is given over to me and therefore we live differently. And really, that's, that's what's at the heart of this passage is that we are yoked to Christ now. We have a new uh, master and therefore we are free to live in a way that is good. Look at that last verse there. Verse 17, honor everyone. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the emperor. Uh, think back to that passage that we read earlier uh, out of Jeremiah 29, uh, where the Lord was telling these people, they're in exile now, and He's telling them how to live their lives. And He says, yes, become engaged in, live in the world. But clear through all of this, they were to continue to obey God's law through and through. You're not of the world, but you can live in the world. And as you live in the world, seek the welfare of the city that I have sent you into exile. Uh, and isn't that what we are called to do as we live today? To seek the welfare of the city in which uh, we have been uh, called to and, and placed in. That's our first focus. Uh, that we might be right witnesses for Him in this world in which we live uh, and, and therefore honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the, the president. Um, it's not easy. We've got much that pulls our heart in the other direction. But more and more, as we live as those who are united to Christ, more and more we're able to live as witnesses in this world for Christ. Please join me in prayer. Father, we thank you this morning for the ways that you have equipped us. And in particular, uh, Lord, we thank you for that relationship that we are able to have with you even as we live our lives here upon this earth by and through what Christ has done. Uh, Father, uh, I, I pray that you will help us with this. Help us day in and day out. Help us to, to have hearts uh, to, as Paul writes to Timothy, to pray for those who are over us uh, and to, to, to seek that which is right and good, but to endure that under which you have placed us uh, and to see ourselves in the right way, in the right kingdom, that we are truly king, members of, uh, citizens of the kingdom of God in this world. And therefore, we do pray, Lord, that you'll help us to have an impact in this world for Christ, an ever-growing impact until you take us home to finally be together with you. We pray for your help. In Jesus' name, amen.